0: Please make sure you go over to YouTube, subscribe, or you can always find us on any of the podcast platforms, and that's Fostering Change. Well, you know, it's so hard to believe that we are almost ending in the month of October. You know, um, those who know me know that fall is my favorite time of year. I want to thank everybody who went on Facebook and donated to my Facebook fundraiser. Um, you know, the thing I love about that is Facebook, 100% of the proceeds actually go to the organization that you choose. So 100% of all the money that you raise comes to Comfort Cases and truly does make an impact. You know, it has been a whirlwind of... Um, of a month. I have traveled so many places, but I'm so happy to be back into my studio. And I'm so happy for my next guest. You know, I always had the opportunity to actually talk to my next guest to be on her podcast. Um, and it was such an amazing conversation. But what I loved the most is when I got to read her book. Okay. Um, And you, those of you who know, I have a lot of books to read. And when you see markers on books, it means that it impacted me. And this truly impacted me. Di, welcome to Fostering Change.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Rob. I'm so excited to be here today.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to tell you, um, this was a book that, first of all, I, 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 as everybody knows, I travel a lot. So I spent a lot of my time doing audiobooks. books. It's harder for me to read a book. But I was so happy that when I got your book, I happened to be doing a lot of flying and I was on a train for three hours and, um, and I, I couldn't put your book down. And there literally was a moment, and I'm not kidding you, there literally was a moment I couldn't keep my eyes open. But if I didn't get through that last chapter, I was worried that in my brain, I wasn't going to be able to sleep because I was going to, you know, think what's going on. So I want to talk about a little bit about you before I get into the book. You know, to look at you, um, you look like you're all together. You look you know, um, like a person who um, had never had any of the things happen that I've read in this book, I look at you and I see the following words shine from you, resilience. Um, I see the word grit um, when I look at you. I see the word of not believing that there is a challenge out there that you cannot overcome. And so I want to know where did those words come from and how did you learn them?
1: Cool. um. Well, thank you. First of all, those are amazing compliments, all of them in a row. I'm just so humbled by that. Um, Where did it come from? I guess I would say I had at least one person kind of throughout my story in each section that saw me and saw the humanity in me and just kind of held me in that moment and let me know that I was a worthwhile person. Um, And I think that that more than anything, let me feel like I could make it. Um, And then, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm also, I love to read. I'm an obsessive reader. So like that gives you other people's lenses in a way that like, perhaps other things don't. So I think I just had the right compilation of like amazing attributes that I was allowed to sort of used to catapult myself ahead and I'm just I'm so grateful to all of those things cuz if if not for those people or those people seeing me I probably wouldn't be here today
0: Yeah, you know, I say that quite often, you know, you and I, we have such a similar story. And it's been those one people, the act of kindness that truly got me from the point where I thought I was getting ready to fall off the cliff. But it was that one person that handed me a rope. Um, And I think about that quite often. You know, there's a part in the book, and I have to tell you, it was the very first thing when I opened a book. It was how the book was dedicated. And, you know, um, and I'm going to read this because I don't, I, I can't tell you, besides a kid's book, I've read a line or two when my I have an author, I've never read things out of a book um, when, you know, I'm I'm reading someone, especially someone's memoir. But this is what you write. And this, I will have to tell you, I had to close the book after reading it before I could start because it really choked me up. To all the kids who didn't survive the foster care system, to those we lost and keep losing, to neglect, to empathy, selflessness, narcissism, and greed. You didn't disappear. It wasn't your fault. You were never the problem. And I didn't forget. Wow. Just think about that. You know, we've lost so many kids to our system. So many kids. I mean, people don't realize as you and I are having this conversation, we have over 20,000 children that are missing in foster care. And when I read that, and I truly could feel the love that you put in that one first line, I truly believe that you do wake up every morning and you do not forget.
1: Who could, who could forget? You know, who could who would be able to sleep at night having forgotten or having just left people in their wake like that? I couldn't. Um, And when I thought about how I wanted to dedicate my book, obviously, I have lots of people to thank. And I did that in the thanks section. But when it came to the dedication, I thought it was so important that I acknowledged all the people that aren't still here with me. So um, that's why I did that that way.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think that I see this quite often, that people truly are, these are disposable kids, they think that, you know, and, and what I always keep reminding people is, come on, these kids came into the system because of a choice that someone else made, you went through what you went through, I went through what I went through, because of choices, other people made, other people made. You know, um, I, I wanna I wanna go back. I really wanna know the fact, you know, you're a mom and you know, being able to, I know for instance, me as a father, you know, my to my babies, um it was very hard because my kids actually come from foster care. So I know the pain that they had gone through before they arrived with my husband and I, but as you were writing this book, um, there had to be some type of moments where you were getting triggers. You know, we have trauma, you, you know, you and I have trauma. And how did you deal with that? Especially being a mother.
1: So I would say that it was, the triggers actually made me write the book, right? So like, of course we, when we have these sort of trauma backgrounds, you are trying to ignore them as much as you can, right? Because that's how they tell you, just get over it, all the things that they say, right? But when I had my son, I was trying that. And and, you know, Marlo came first. And um, what ends up happening when I have my daughter is she's tiny die. She looks exactly like me. And I'm watching her go through these stages um, as she's getting older and older watching what I would and would not have been capable of, watching what I would have looked like at that time. And just the absolute white flame rage that built in me, watching this beautiful human life, explore the world around her in her own particular way. And knowing the things that were being said to me and the things that were being done to me at that age, I was just like, string of expletives, you, you know, effing liars, you liars made this about me. And it never was. So like, I would say, honestly, it started to hurt worse to keep the story in than it did to just say it. Wow.
0: I love that. It was, it was worse to keep the story. in. I have to tell you, you know, when I wrote my memoir, um, I, you know, was something I, things I wrote in there, I didn't want people to know, but I knew that if I fit in, it would hurt me too much. I want to know how you picked the title.
1: That is such a good question. So um, there is, first of all, I love that word. I love the word indomitable. There is, I am a huge Jack Black fan, he has big dad energy for me. There is a movie he is in which I read the book, um, The House with the Clock in Its Walls. At the end of the movie, they realize that they can overcome anything and that they are just going to be unstoppable. And one of the kids asks one of the leading actresses who's played by one of the people's, played by Kate uh, Blanchett. And he says, aren't you afraid? And she said, well, I was but now I'm indomitable and she just goes off. Right. And I watched it so many times with my kids and they love it. So it became kind of a word that we used in our family. And finally, one day I just woke up and I was like, of course, that's what it is. Of course, that's what it is. It has meaning to me. It has meaning to my children. It has meaning to our spirit. That's what it's going to be. So um, that is why that's what the name is. Um, The cover art Oh! Oh my gosh,
0: everybody! I have to tell you, you got to look at this. We're going to have the link for you to be able to purchase this book. This is this is definitely, and I'm, it's that time of year that you all know I love. This is a book. Start the fire, grab the blankie, have all day because I guarantee you, when you pick it up, you're not going to be able to put it down. You know, and this cover just—I mean—it just draws me in.
1: It was a nightmare that I always had about the story that I was holding inside me right I would keep having this nightmare continuously where I was standing and like the seas were rising over me and like I wasn't able to get away and I was held in place and I finally just said oh my god this is so scary for me when I think about it maybe I can just so when they asked me about the cover my publisher Morgan James I said to them this is the nightmare I keep having and the artist came back to me and said you mean like this and I was just like exactly like that yes exactly like that and honestly I haven't had the nightmare since once I took it out of my body it was gone and now people look at it and they're like I see exactly what you mean here and I was just like Thank God, I just accepted
0: it. You know. Oh my gosh! Oh my. I know. It, I. It, 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 I. It, I it, there were so many things I. I got when I saw this cover. You know, I. I. The, with the umbrella, with the wave, the oceans coming up, thinking about the storm that you have gone through, that you. You have. You know, literally. You know, I also got from this cover. Um, power, power, and let me tell you the reason why. I looked at this and saw this amazing human here whether I didn't know if it was male or female by the way which I love that was walking through the storm and pushing the ocean aside saying that I am stronger than you and we all know that the ocean is the strongest thing that we have in the world and so I I just love that you know I'm going to get to another part of the book here that really, really drew me in um for those who all know, you know i I sit on the advisory board for Sesame Street um in twenty. 20- 2018, Sesame Street came to me and said, Let's do a Muppet. Let's do a Muppet that is in foster care. And so it took us about two years to bring Carly to life. And in May of 2020, which is National Foster Care Awareness Month, Carly appeared on Sesame Street. I was very lucky to be there, to watch her meet her foster parents. And for this day, Carly is still somewhat of a regular. She teaches children about about empathy. She teaches children about food insecurities, drug addiction, people who are experiencing homelessness. But then I'm reading this book and lo and behold, you have an entire chapter called Sesame Street. Sure do. And I'm going to tell you, I thought I knew everything about Sesame Street until I read your chapter. I had no clue. I had no clue that as a kid, you know, who grew up in the, the worst of worst, like you and I both did, that septimes treat was made for us.
1: Yes. For us, kids like us, kids in adjacent situations to us. That's exactly right. And I just, oh, I'm I'm every time I talk to you, I feel emotions that I was not prepared to <laughs> have. So, like, I'm just sitting here, like, I'm not going to, it's not going to be running down my face. I'm fine. But, like, oh, my God, Sesame Street had so much meaning for me as a child, as I obviously say, and other shows on PBS, right? Like, when we think about, like, you know, LeVar Burton and just PBS changed my life, specifically Sesame Street, looking right at me. Um, You know, I would be locked in my room because my, you know, very young parents, uh, birth parents didn't have child care for me and that would be all I had was just this one small television in the 80s you just PBS and so it mattered to me so much to be able to you know even in my small way acknowledge that and thank that team so like that that of course I'm sorry I'm just woo, getting the vapors over here <laughs>
0: Let me tell you, I, like I said, I, I read it and I went back. I actually, it was one of the chapters, there were two chapters I actually read twice in your book and that was one of them because I was just like, it just drew me in because, you know, for so long as a young boy, I felt alone. I felt that there was nobody that was looking at me. You know, you might've been staring at me, but you weren't looking at me. yes, yes. You know, and so it made me really go back and think about that time and about those times. You know, I, I I just I like I said, everybody. You know, our podcasts are normally about twenty minutes long. I I can't tell you enough about this book, but you know, there's another chapter that really stuck out to me, um, and and I really want to talk about this as we end our our podcast. There is a unique feeling to surviving something or someone. I don't know what the word for it is. It's scaring pain as if something is being burned away from your soul through disconfection. I want to know about that word. I want to know how it felt to have the searing pain because I, to this day, 57 years old, I just turned, um, I can't get rid of that pain.
1: So when I talk about level setting, when I talk about surviving, um, you definitely feel like something has been pulled off of you, right? You feel like something's been ripped away and it feels the way it feels like if you had a giant scab on your back, right? Somebody had just torn it away and you are absolutely vulnerable to the elements, to other people, you feel like everybody can see you. Everybody is, you know, you are completely naked in a world of of boundaries and and you know coverings for everybody else, right? But it feels like you're afraid at first and you are over caffeinated and skittery and like feeling shaky and nervous and and just kind of like you can't breathe all the way you can't take a deep enough breath because you're afraid you're gonna have to run and your legs feel like there is just tension building in your thighs just in case you have to run it's that adrenaline feeling right but eventually you get comfortable with that and when that is the case when you get comfortable being seen when you get comfortable being yourself then just let. I mean, people could say whatever they wanted to me and it wouldn't make a damn bit of difference because I understand what I am capable of. I understand what I have survived. And I understand that you could pick me up and put me anywhere on the planet earth and I would survive. Like I would find a new way to build a new life. And that is something that no one can ever take back from you when you realize what you are truly capable of. I think a lot of people live their lives in fear because they're afraid of what they might not be capable of. It's the opposite for me. I'm very aware of what I'm capable of. I'm very aware of what's out there. And I'm very aware of what I can survive. And as a result of that, I feel very grounded in who I am as a person.
0: Oh, my gosh. I absolutely love that because, you know, as I I always say, you know, I I. I literally li- live my scars, at, at, you know, that I see every day that most people cannot see, but I feel them. And, and to hear you say that, you know, um, I do believe that, that so many people live in fear. And I believe that so many people like you and I who have aged out of a, a shattered system even live in twice as much fear. But, you know, um, I have to ask this, Di, because it's something that weighs heavy on me. And I get a lot of, you know, these crazy emails about it. I I do believe that we are in a system because of a choice someone else made. But I do believe that there is a time within our life that we must take responsibility and we have to stop blaming the system and we have to start trying to figure out how to change the system. And if that changing the system means even changing within yourself, you know, for me, it was forgiving, you know, forgiving people for all who did me wrong. and again, I didn't forgive them to give them power. I forgave them to give me my power back. Um, and it also made me realize that, you know, my community actually had not failed me. Um, they weren't educated about me, you yes. know. And that's what I see so much within our country in the foster care system. It's that people are not educated. But I think that people like you and I, who have come out of the fire and the ashes, and we truly are moving the needle forward, I think that other people need to see you and I more because this is foster care, okay? This is foster care in my eyes. It's not, you know, the drug addiction, the incarceration, all of the things that has happened. And by the way, we know it's happening. We know that it's it's something that, you know, it's horrific, but at the same time, I had made the decision, just like I can see you made the decision, is that I'm not blaming that system any longer. I'm not giving the power to that system. I'm going to help change that system. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, I remember the moment in my life when I'd made that decision because I was listening to a radio show in Atlanta and um, the you know host was talking about how his birth mother hadn't loved him or treated him well or any of those things and how how that it has impacted his life he was very outspoken about therapy and going to therapy how important it had been for him and apparently Tyler Perry listens to this guy's show and Tyler Perry calls in and he says look you need to stop letting people live in your mind rent free you need to stop thinking about these things all night, because they are not going to bed thinking about you. They do not care what they did to you, and they are not going to change. So this is up to you at this point. Are you going to keep letting them take over your life and make you live however, whatever with whatever they left you with, right? And I sat there in the car, just crying my eyes out, and I was like, "He, that's absolutely it. That's absolutely it. Am I going to drive my own life now or am I going to let her do what she has done? Am I going to let them do what they have done and just take over my life and and, and end it the way that they always wanted to? So the, again, you're going to get this theme. The rage for me was just like, now it's spite. Now I'm going to overcome this just because I can. And I did exactly that. So I was like, look that's it. That's done. I'm closing the door on that. I will deal with that in therapy, but I am going to go this direction. So that is ultimately what I decided wow. to do. I and love I, that.
0: I love that. Great.
1: I was pissed and I moved on. <laughs>
0: I love it. Don't let them, don't let them have space in your brain. Um, right. That That is huge. You know, um, did you lose people in your life after writing the book?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think I've lost people over my life. A lot of times, and I will tell you why that is if you are worried about losing people, people like us are mirrors, right? So if people look at you and they think that they are better than you and they are, or they think that they were better off than you, sometimes they'll look at you and they'll see what you're overcoming and they aren't rooted, rooting for you, right? Because they want you to fail because they think that they would fail. So if you're a person like me and somebody's looking at me thinking, oh, this foster kid I lose people because I don't make people feel very good sometimes if they want to sort of stay in the crab bucket, so to speak. Um, So I've lost lots of people over my lifetime because people sometimes don't want to get better. People don't want to live their lives. People don't want to accept responsibility for their lives. Sometimes they want to kind of live in the pain and the trauma and the suffering. And that's completely fine. It's fine. Um, you know, of course, we've all gone through tons of things. You and I are perfect examples of that, but you have to make that decision. And if your decision is to stay mired in it because you can't overcome it, then I, of course, am going to still do what I have to do. Right. And that shouldn't cause other people pain. It should be their journey's their journey, my journey's my journey. But like, I have lost a lot of people that way. And that's okay with me because. They weren't really for me, you know, and I'm definitely not talking about like foster kids or people that are going through really hard things. I'm talking about sort of your average person who, for whatever reason, just kind of doesn't want to see you survive or be successful. And that's kind of on them because I'm going to keep doing me, you know. Yeah, I love
0: that. I love that. I, I actually did a I did a post on one of my social media platforms about, you know, um, I feel like people are trees, you know, I love trees, by the way, those who know me, you see me on social media, I have a big tree on my back as a tattoo, because I truly believe that people are like trees, their leaves, they change, they fall, and they grow back. And yeah. if you're truly someone in your life, you become a root. And then yeah. you really dig down into the ground to stand and stay with you. I lost many people when I wrote my book, um, you know, and there were moments that, it, hurt my heart, but then there were moments I did what you did was, was just saying this is their issue, not mine. Listen up, everybody, um, th- the most amazing book, I'm telling you, the link is going to be here for you to purchase it. I want you to reach out to me. I want you to, I want to hear about it. I want, I know this book is going to move you like it moved me. Die, I am so, so lucky I get to call you my friend. Um you, you, you coming into my life was, was a gift. And so I can't thank you enough. Listen, everyone, you know, I say this all the time, you know, each and every one of you have an opportunity to be part of the change. And the change is what you do with inside of yourself, what's inside of yourself. And if there's never been a book that I have absolutely pushed, this is a book that's truly going to make you look inside of yourself. You know what? Another amazing episode of Fostering Change. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week.